Well, good morning, everybody. It's, it is still morning out there. Um, before I get started here, Lois uh, gave me this. It was a letter that was sent to the Oshkosh paper regarding the Pathfinders. And uh, I know many of you don't get the Oshkosh paper, so I thought I'd just read it before we get started. It's a letter to the editor, and it's, it really presents a real positive light on the Pathfinders and the Pathfinder experience. The, the man who wrote it is named Steve Eliason. Please allow me to publicly share one of a very few equally remarkable weeks in my life of 52 years. Three full days of taking our wonderful guest out sailing on our beautiful lakefront last week. The young people attending the Pathfinder Camporee from around the nation and around the globe. On Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of last week, I along with other staff from our community sailing group, had not only the good fortune to be out on Lake Winnebago with these incredible young people, but in a more profound way, I had the chance to spend three days with high school-aged kids who were, to a person, polite, engaged, kind, fun, <clears throat> great conversationalist, courageous, thankful for the chance to be sailing on our waters, and thankful to be in our fair city. I'm writing as the experience of those of those days was so moving, not a harsh word, no utterance of profanity, sexual innuendos, no put-downs or ill wishes. The utter example left with us by these young people, let your life, actions, words, behaviors, speak, use words when necessary, was the subject of conversation in our family nightly. As an active Catholic, I found the case for whatever it is within Seventh-day Adventism, which brings these young to this state to be undeniably compelling. Kids from Newark, Los Angeles, Houston, Baltimore, Dallas, Alberta, Romania, Kenya, Chile, all seemingly from the same springboard with regard to this life, compassion, love, and service. In the end, the best in Christianity. Thank you to my new friends for a remarkable, memorable, and life-changing experience during your stay with us here in Oshkosh. Steve Eliason, Oshkosh. So that's a good reflection of, of what um, happened uh, down there in um, at camp meeting. So uh, before we get... Yes. Okay, I don't know if you heard that all, but Dave just said he is also on the school board and in uh, Oshkosh, so that's good to hear. Um, before we get started, I would like to just start with a moment of brief silent prayer. Amen. <clears throat> well, this um, message that you're going to get today was originally intended, um, I'd written, written it a while back, but then I got bumped a couple times when I was supposed to be on the schedule with, it seemed that when Pastor Stauffer came, I was bumped that time. When he left, I was bumped. Pastor Glass came, I was bumped. But that, that's all right, because I think I was able to make it um, a little a little better in that time frame. And uh, some of you who have been to the uh, singing at the assisted living homes, you're going to recognize a story or two in here, so um, just a little heads up on that. But Throughout history, there have been many forms of communication. I mean, we started out 
There were smoke signals at one time, telegraph, telephone, written word, TV, email. Then we got things like texting, Twitter, and Instagram, whatever that is. But they all had their certain challenges too. I mean, the smoke signals, you know, what happens if it's raining? Or, or what happens if the wind changes direction on you? The telegraph, it was only as good as the person doing the tapping and the receiving. There's a story of a woman who was traveling in Europe and she found this beautiful bracelet, actually a beautiful and expensive bracelet that she loved very much and wanted. So she telegraphed her husband and sent the price and asked if she could buy it. His intended response was, no, period, price is too high. But what she received was, no price too high. She bought the bracelet. Or the, I mean, the telephone, the telephone's been a great blessing. But now, with the cell phones in there, you can talk about anywhere, but I don't know if any of you have had this experience. Uh, our company Christmas party this last year, there was, I was sitting on a table with probably about eight people and about six of them were younger women from like in the early forties and down. And there was me and another guy. And I thought we were alone a few times. Just the, the constant. I don't know. They might have even been texting themselves, as far as I know. But <clears throat> TV, TV has been a great blessing. But also with the immorality that goes on there, it it it, it has its drawbacks. Email. I don't know if this happened to any of you, but for me, one time my email account got hijacked, and I was real surprised one morning to find out like the hundreds of emails that I sent out during the night, and some of them were on some pretty embarrassing topics. And guess which one Pastor Garvey got? As far as texting, Twitter, and Instagram, any of you following politics, I just mentioned one name and you'll know the problems that can cause, and that's Anthony Weiner. But our communication described in Revelation 3.20, it should be direct, it should be error-free, and it should be very intimate, provided you're willing to open that door and you provided you're willing to listen. In the Mideast, Sharing a common meal together, it indicates forming a strong bond of affection and companionship. Well, Jesus is standing at that door and he's knocking. But unfortunately, no one's hearing. No one's answering that door. This letter to the Laodicean church was written to the end-time church. So we all should be having a relationship with him already. We should all have a desire to let him in. I know in this world... It's easy to get caught up and not hear and not listen. But we need to be tuned into the Holy Spirit so that we can hear, so we can let him guide us. But just what is it that keeps people from opening that door and having that continuous daily relationship with him? I don't know if any of you have ever been in a home filled with, I'm going to call it clutter or collectibles or whatever you want, uh, but in my profession I get to see a lot of homes and occasionally I'll go into a house and there's just this little alleyway into the living room and there might be a TV and a chair. That's about all you can find room there. And there's a little alleyway into the kitchen. And the front door is usually piled with a tremendous amount of clutter. And it prevents you from even opening the front door. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Some of the clutter that's preventing people from opening the door. You know, maybe your clutter, maybe it's fear. Fear, unfortunately, leads to a surrender of the truth. In Genesis 3.8, 
Adam and Eve, they hid themselves from the Lord after they had eaten that forbidden fruit. In Jonah 1.3, Jonah rose and fled to Joppa just to avoid the presence of the Lord. Elijah, that great man of God, who showed just tremendous bravery in standing up to Ahab at Mount Carmel, shortly thereafter, what did he do? He fled out of fear from Jezebel. His faith had left him. He lost hold of his God. He lost his bearings. And that happens to us sometimes, too. I mean, we get off track and God has to kind of tell us, you know, what are you doing here? Just where are you going? But there is really no need for fear if we stay firm to God and, and don't act like Elijah and forget that God is leading. Proverbs 29.25 tells us, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. Another form of clutter that gets in the way from people opening that door is spiritual laziness. Nowhere does Christianity sanction this. It is not part of the fruit of being a Christian. In the parable of the talents on Matthew 25, in Matthew 25, 25 and 26, Jesus has some very strong words for the lazy servant, the one who buried the talents. I know sometimes we get real busy and putting God aside becomes easy to do, but we have to be careful about that. There's a website out there for Bible memorization called Memory Delight. And uh, I'm not, I'm not um, promoting the program. As I, 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 don't per- I mean, it's a program they want to sell you to help you memorize the Bible. I, I didn't purchase it, but I get their ads. And they, they um, ask the question, well, what is the biggest obstacle in people, preventing people from memorizing Scripture? And the overwhelming answer is laziness. Well, it must be overcome. We can't let it build momentum. We can't let it take hold. I mean, it's kind of like uh, an addiction. If you let laziness take hold, it's going to just control you and you won't, and you won't take the steps necessary to open that door to Christ. Another big form of clutter is greed. Greed leads to dishonest practices. It corrupts man's humanity, corrupts man's humanity, and it closes the door to good that could be done. 1 Timothy 6.10 tells us, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Matthew 25.15 and 16, it shows us the influence greed had on Judas when he betrayed Jesus. Matthew 19.16-22, Jesus is speaking to the young ruler, and he went through the commandments. He went through those about murder, adultery, stealing, lying, honoring your parents, and loving your neighbors. And the young ruler eagerly responded, well, those things I all do. But Jesus responded, well, there's one more thing you must do. You must give everything you have to the poor. See, Jesus knew the clutter that was in this man's life. And if you think of it, has the love of money influenced the actions at the expense of the Lord's work? Another big form of clutter is patience. In this world of instant, or I should say lack of patience is really what it is. In this world of instant everything, it's hard to wait for something that we prayed for, isn't it? I mean, God created the world in six days. Do we really have to wait months or years for that perfect job or that perfect relationship? 
People go hungry, and yet Jesus was able to feed thousands in a matter of minutes. Sometimes it takes months and years to be healed, and yet Jesus was able to raise Lazarus with just a few words. Sometimes God allows that suffering for, for our own good, because suffering can lead to patient endurance, and it can lead to character development. But unfortunately, here in America, we live in a world of instant gratification, kind of like a child who wants it now. I mean, it's sort of an adolescent culture. But there's a difference between a child and an adult, and that is that the adult should be able to delay gratification. Real adults should have the ability to wait, and we need to develop that ability to wait on God sometimes. Other items of clutter blocking that doorway, they include drugs and alcohol, lust, gambling, pornography, TV, obsession with other types of entertainment, and one called constant complaining. But if we look at it, in this chapter to the Laodicean church, probably some of the biggest forms of clutter brought about in describing that church are pride and complacency. Proverbs 28.25, it says, He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. Galatians 6.3 tells us, For anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Extreme examples of pride in the Bible include Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4.29-31, where here he's walking on his royal palace, and he's looking out over Babylon, and he said, Is this not great Babylon which I have built? While those words were still in his mouth, the voice from heaven says, Thy kingdom shall be taken from you. David with Bathsheba, I mean, he had gotten so pride, so proud he thought he could have everything. And he wanted that woman, and he wanted her now. And you can see all the trouble that ended up causing. Some of the effects of pride can be described in a little story here, real short story. It's about a mother whale. She's trying to teach her, her, her baby whale the effects of pride. And her, her comment to the baby is, it's when you get to the top and you start to blow. That's when you get harpooned. Pride has turned angels into demons who have been banned from heaven. It leads to disappointment. It leads to discontentment. It shuts us out from God's light. And it separates us from God. Pride is really probably the biggest form of clutter described to the Laodicean church. In Revelation 3.15, describes them as neither hot or cold. They are lukewarm. They're just satisfied with being what they are. There's really no growth happening. But being lukewarm, as we can see in verse 16, is very disappointing to God. He said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. In verse 17, we can see the pride in the Laodicean church. I am rich. I need nothing. Can't you just see it there? That pride is standing in the way of growth. But in verse 13, 18, Jesus gives some very, three very strong instructions. He tells them that they should buy gold refined by the fire. Now this is relating to spiritual riches. He also tells them they should buy a white robe to cover themselves. Now, 
in the act of buying those things, the Laodicean church is going to need to give something up. And that's what he wants us to give up. He wants us to give up that clutter that's in our lives. He also wants us to put on the eye ointment so that we can see, see where we are. See, Jesus, a lot of people are here, but he wants us to have more in the relationship. He wants that relationship to grow. He wants it to get up here. And that's why he wants to daily come in. He wants to daily have you open that door so he can come in and dine with you. Friends, Christ is patiently standing at that door and he's knocking. But one thing we need to remember about that door, where is the hinge on the door? It's on the inside. So we need to take action. We need to invite him in. We need to have him come in daily. If we let the effects of pride and fear and laziness and greed and drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography, and other things, if we let them clutter our way to the door, it's going to become harder and harder to hear Christ knocking. In the Desire of Ages, on page 489, it states, the ability to hear weakens with each knock that gets ignored. The more stuff, the more clutter we put in front of that door, the harder it will be for us to hear Christ knocking. His request is that we let him in, that we dine with him. There are a few acts that are more indicative of fellowship and communion than sharing a meal together. It really is a really a bonding experience, and that's what God wants. He wants He wants to bond with us by opening that door. In John fifteen four, Christ is telling us that He would like to abide with Him, as a branch cannot bear fruit unless it's attached to the vine. We need to be attached to Christ to bear fruit. Christian author C.S. Lewis has said. There's a God-shaped hole in every man. And that hole has to be filled with God. If you don't fill it with God, there's going to be other things that are going to fill that hole. Earlier this month, we've heard of the tragic death of Robin Williams from suicide. There have been other famous people who have committed suicide through the ages. Author Ernest Hemingway. Actors Brian Keith and Freddie Prince. Football player Junior Sale. Socrates and race car driver Dick Trickle, to name a few. Personally, I've had a childhood friend, two, two fraternity brothers in college, and a summer co-worker all commit suicide. I don't know where they were, where they stood with God, but I do know this, that Satan is trying to fill that hole with all sorts of clutter in our lives. It's, it's his desire for us to lose that connection with God. He wants us to feel like well, just what purpose is there in life? What is life all about? If you do not open that door for him, how can you hear his voice? How can we abide in him? How can we understand the purpose that God has for our life? Second Chronicles 7.14, it reveals some key principles. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear, hear from heaven and I will forgive their, their sin and heal their land. What is it telling us? If we humbly pray, if we seek his face, if we turn from our wicked ways, get rid of that clutter that's blocking the door, then he will hear and forgive and heal. We need to turn to God. We need to invite him in. 
We need to get rid of that clutter so they can see the purpose that he has for us. If I had to describe our purpose, I'd look to Matthew 22.37, love God with all your heart. In Matthew 22.39, to love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew 25.40, where it says, when you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. In Matthew 28.19 and 20, where it says to go forth, make disciples, and teach them all they need to know. In Acts 1.8, where it says to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For us here, Fox Valley, Wisconsin, the U.S., and the world. And also, <clears throat> the undiluted, pure, and holy three angels' message is found in Revelation 14, 6 through 10. <clears throat> Former New York Yankee, Lou Gehrig, <clears throat> excuse me, was a man who could have let a lot of clutter get into his life, but he kept God first. Lou is regarded as one of the greatest baseball players of all time. And it would have been easy for him to become self-absorbed and self-centered and be concerned only about Lou Gehrig. But Lou took time for others. And in 1937, when the Yankees were playing in Chicago, Lou was asked to visit a young boy at the children's hospital. And Lou agreed. This boy was named was Tim. He was 10 years old, and he was diagnosed with polio. And he refused to do his exercises. Well, Lou went to visit Tim, and he asked him to do his exercises. And Tim said, I will do my exercises and learn to walk again if you hit a home run for me today. Well, Lou agreed to this, but on the way to the park, he was really doubting himself. Why did I agree to do this? See, he was a good baseball player, but if a good baseball player hits 40 home runs in a season, you know, 160 games, that averages like one every four games. He's saying, why did I do this? If I don't hit a home run, he's never going to do his exercises. Well, that day, Lou did not only hit one home run, he hit two of them. Two years later, Lou Gehrig is dying of the dreaded disease that bears his name. On July 4th, 1939, Lou Gehrig Day is celebrated at Yankee Stadium. 80,000 fans, the governors, and other celebrities are all there. As the microphone is handed over to Lou, Tim is now 12 years old. He walks out of the dugout, drops his crutches, walks over to home plate, and hugs Lou around the waist. That's what Lou meant when he said his famous words, Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. See, he saw the difference that his life had made in others. He realized his purpose. Revelation three fourteen through 22, it is written to the Laodicean church, the end-time church. Should Christ really be needing to knock? But is there clutter in our life, clutter that is keeping us from opening that door? Lou Gehrig, he put God first. He opened the door. He let Christ in. He let him in to dine with us, dine with him, and he found his purpose. And by doing so, he received a tremendous blessing. Wouldn't it be great in our lives if we could find such purpose and such commitment? Personally, I know how clutter has affected me. You know, I thought it was, I thought I was okay when I was younger, was not a bad person. I mean, 
Yeah, I drank, but I was certainly better than all those other scoundrels on the end of the bar. But I realized that there was a lot of clutter in my life at various times. You know, greed and pride, spiritual laziness, they've all affected me. But I'm glad we have a loving God that kept knocking, that he gave me a God-fearing mother, and he put the right people in my life at the right time. He has steered me. I'm glad he has also steered me to the Seventh-day Adventist message. Though I'm still a work in progress, God has helped me get rid of some of that clutter. And he continues to work on me. And he can and will continue to do that for you. What I'm asking you today is to take the words of Second Chronicles 7.14 to heart. To humble yourself, to pray, and to seek Christ at the door knocking. He's there and he wants to come in every day. He wants our relationship to be up here. You do this, you can receive a great blessing as well in finding God's purpose for for your life and living for Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this Sabbath day. Lord, we thank You for all the opportunities You've given us, Lord. We ask that You give us the strength and courage we need so that we may open that door, so that we may get rid of the clutter, Lord, so that You may come in and fill our cup Lord, fill it up till it overflows so that we may be your witnesses in this community to everybody we may be, Lord, and that we may carry out the purpose you have in our life. We thank you, Lord, and we pray again in the name of Jesus. Amen.